Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we are broadcasting live from inside Renaissance Bank on uh, Windward Parkway in beautiful Alpharetta. Hey, folks, uh, actually, we're broadcasting from America's best bank in Georgia, as uh, uh, determined by Forbes magazine. Yep, Renaissance Bank is the best bank in Georgia, according to Forbes. How did they get that way? Well, it's really by providing personal service, even though they're a pretty good-sized bank that can offer a whole lot of different services because of that size. So if you're looking for that nice mix in your bank, a bank big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but small enough to do it in a personal way, give Renaissance Bank a try. I think you'll be glad you did. I know I am. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Bill Neglia. Bill is with Neglia Insurance Group. Bill, welcome. Good morning, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome back. It's been uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, been a minute <laughs> or two. I think it's been a pandemic. <laughs> it's been a pandemic. Yeah, it's about two years ago to the day. Yeah, yeah. Since we've had you, and that's been two years too long, in, in my book. Uh, it's glad I'm glad to have you back. But for those that don't know you, uh, give them an introduction to you and how you're serving folks with your uh, insurance group. Yeah, sure, John. So um, Negley Insurance Group was started, uh, actually my career started in 1983. Um, I started in in New York uh, as mainly a life insurance agent, Um, moved to Georgia 1991, and at that point um, uh, changed my emphasis more to a health insurance book of business uh, to individuals, families, as well as business owners and their employees. I still do all the other insurances that I've always done since my career started, uh, but health insurance has been my bread and butter for eh, the last 25, 30 years. Now, there's some folks out there that would say you're crazy for having done that, Bill. <laughs> but but, but talk, talk why health insurance and helping uh, your clients with health insurance is such an appeal for you and why you made that focus in your business. Well, most of those people are former health insurance agents. <laughs> um <laughs> I that, could see how that would be. That, that they can't believe I still do it to this day. Right. Um, so yeah, with the, you know, no, no facet of insurance, uh, the insurance industry has changed more than health insurance. Sure. Particularly since 2014 with the creation of the Affordable Care Act. Um, so the business, the market, the industry has, has changed dramatically in those seven years. Um, and, and more than ever, consumers need, guidance. Uh, Yes, you can do it yourself. You can go to a website, you can make a phone call to a call center, and you can get somebody with no insurance experience tell you what what they think is best for you and your family. That's not the way to buy your insurance. Um, the, The amount of information that's necessary to make a good decision is enormous. And, you know, like anything else, people don't know what they don't know. Mm hmm. And the problem is trying to do it yourself, you, in most cases, limit a section of the market or the products that are available just because of ignorance and, and, and lack of knowledge. What I bring to my clients 
is not only a explanation of what they know in the market, but also of what they don't know. And that's critical. And, and the important thing of all of this is that there's no fee for my service. Mm. So I'm compensated by the insurance carriers. Mm-hmm. So if you went online and bought a policy through healthcare.gov, you would pay the exact same price as if I helped you through the process and you bought it with me as your agent. So there's no financial benefit in not using an agent, certainly somebody with 38 plus years experience. Sure. Sure. So what, what is it? Um, I mean, how can you give folks a, just an, I think most people agree that, that health insurance is hard to understand. It's hard to keep up with. Um, what are the, how much does it change from year to year? I guess is the question, because I think you and I were talking before we came on about, uh, companies that have coverage for a long time, maybe with the same carrier, they don't really look at it year to year, maybe like they should. How much does it change year to year? So, you know, the, the individual personal market, um, changes has changed historically, um, more subtly than the group market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the last year, the individual market has changed dramatically with the change of administration. Mm. Uh, there's uh, additional monies that have been put out for subsidy. Mm-hmm. There are extensions that have been made, including this coming in open enrollment mm. um, to give more people time to buy private insurance. Uh, so, so yeah, so the private market has changed dramatically just in the last year. Mm. Uh so now is probably the best time for somebody to be looking at, at what they have and what's available in the market. Uh, open enrollment this year is November 1 through January 15th, mm-hmm. which is a 30-day extension from what it has been historically. Oh, wow. Yeah, it usually ended on December 15th. Yeah, I remember in past uh, times we've had you on the show and you were talking about uh how, how busy you were at, at year end uh, so you've got a little reprieve this to, to go around huh well maybe maybe not okay uh, you know <laughs> it, it depends because every enrollment season there's always that group of last minute you know um oh my gods so instead of december 15th being there oh my god it's mm-hmm. now january 15th okay so i imagine i'll still be working feverishly up through the 15th of January. So, so much for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Right. Uh, fortunately, you've got a forgiving spouse, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. she, she understands, you know, what, what's needed to, uh, to, to, for me to be successful. There you go. There you go. Bill Neglia is with us folks, and he's the president of Neglia Insurance Group. Uh, so Bill, you mentioned open enrollment period. I mean, as we do this show here in mid, mid October, 2021 uh that's we're entering that season talk about what um owners of whether it's personal or group health plans what they need to be looking at this this season so here's the thing john statistics show that over the next two to three months 90 percent of individuals families and business owners are going to be evaluating their health insurance for the next coming year Mm -hmm. of that 75% will actually make some sort of material change, whether it's going to a new carrier, whether it's changing to a different plan, something. So what they need, what, what folks need to look at is what do they have now? 
What's the cost? Are they getting or do they perceive they're getting the benefit that they're paying for? Are they getting service from their agent? And, and that's something that cannot be overlooked because having a policy without service uh, could be a problem. It, it means they, that, you know, they're not seeing what's out there in the market. As a case in point, what I do is I shop my groups every year. Usually when we get a renewal notice, um, whether they renew on January or July or whatever, mm-hmm. every year we evaluate the renewal for the coming plan year and we look to see if the market has anything better to offer. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Again, there's no charge for my service, so that's what I do. That's part of my job. But my, my client knows that they're getting the best of me and that at the end of the day, they're going to have the best policy that the market offers. In the individual side, it's a little more complicated because of the moving parts, um, you know, especially now with the change of administration. You know, there's more subsidy money out there. There's also more private policies that are not part of the Affordable Care Act that have um, come into the market in the last couple of years. So there is a plethora of options that are available. And if, if, if an individual or family is not aware of those, they may end up making the wrong purchase decision. Now, speaking of individuals, uh, one of the things that you work with are non-ACA alternative individual options as well, right? That's correct. Um, the, the, the non-ACA, which I referred to as private, yep. um, yeah, there's a number of different policy categories. Um, short-term, which is a, is, a, is a misnomer because short-term, when the policy was created many years ago, was only good for a maximum of three months. Mm. So it, that's why it was called short-term. That policy has evolved over years. You can actually buy a short-term policy for up to three years. So short-term is a policy that is very popular for the right individual or the right family. There are other policy types that are called indemnity or reimbursement. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are sharing programs that are offered. Uh, most of them are, are religious faith-based. Uh, MediShare is one that is, is the most uh, widely known and the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's many others in that uh, category. Mm. So, so there are options outside of the Affordable Care Act that for the right situation can be uh, not only 15 to 50% less expensive, but also provide more suitable coverage for that individual or family's needs. Um, I guess let two part question. Let's talk about the individuals first. I mean, what, what's the biggest mistake you think individuals make when they're looking for, besides not calling you, uh, what's the biggest mistake they make in looking for uh, the uh, health insurance coverage? Looking at the price tag. If you buy health insurance, like any other product or service, if you buy strictly on price, you are leaving yourself wide open for a disaster because you get what you pay for mm. with health insurance as well as any other goods and services. And I can't tell you how many clients I've acquired who came to me or referred to me because they thought they had a great product because the salesperson that they sold that they bought it from told them it was a great product mm. and the price was phenomenal. And then when we unpeeled that onion or they found out that a claim that should have been covered and met their mind was not, then the red flags went up. And at that point, it's too late. 
When you're in the hospital, you don't want to find out your health insurance isn't worth the paper it's printed on. So price, if you buy strictly on price, that is a big red flag. Uh, Would the same be true for group health as well? Uh, Potentially, yes. Not as much because most of the group plans are more um, uh, standardized Mm -hmm. and, uh, and regulated. So you don't see, uh, for lack of a better term, a lot of garbage in the group market. Right. There's tons of garbage in the private market Mm. or in the, in the individual market. So that's, you know, group. Yeah, sure. There are situations where a group plan isn't as good as the uh, employer thinks it is, but it's usually not the quality of the carrier or the plan. Okay. In the individual side. Yeah. It's, it's a buyer beware situation. Big time. Uh, folks, you heard it from Bill Neglia, Neglia insurance group. Uh, uh, we'll get to, uh, something tells me we need to give your contact information now uh, after, after that, uh, comment, but folks, hang on, we'll get to it. Um, uh, because that's, that was eye opening, uh, information bill. Uh, let's, so let's get into the group side and talk about employer sponsored group health insurance plan options and what you're seeing there. Yeah. So, you know, we're in a, in a weird situation with the pandemic. Yeah. So a lot of, um, especially smaller employers that are not mandated to offer benefits, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them have, have either let their benefits go or if they're offering that or they were offering them pre pandemic, they've scaled back just to meet, you know, meet their, their needs, um, and, and what they can afford. Uh, so what I'm seeing is a lot of, uh, you know, price sensitivity, but with a, with a, with a careful eye on not compromising benefits. Mm. So, you know, a group that I had, uh, that came to me just a year ago was, is a great example, uh, is a, uh, kitchen remodeling company with 14 employees and about 10 or 12 dependents. So about 26 people were covered on the plan. Pre pandemic, the business was booming. Uh, they were flush with cash and, you know, had jobs lined up for months. The pandemic hit and all of a sudden all the jobs that they had on the books dried up, canceled and new, nothing new was coming in the door. Mm. Their premium at that time was about $10,000 a month. Okay. They could not afford it because of the lack of business that was coming in the doors. So what I was able to do through my network of carriers and my outside the box thinking is I was able to take them to um, collect medical information, which has not always been required. Uh, it's not required, but to get better rates, sometimes you need that information. Mm-hmm. I was able to get their employees to provide that information. It was all confidential. Send it out to a whole different set of carriers and markets. And I came back, and one of them came back with an offer for the same coverage for $4,800 a month. Wow a $5,200 a month savings. The savings was more than the premium. <laughs> yeah. That's 60,000 a year folks. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the controller, the lady who came to me said that if we, they weren't able to get that price, they would have had to have canceled the contract altogether. Mm. So, you know, that, you know, that, that was a success story. And it was something that I do really on a, on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. It's just that was a magnified situation because of the savings. Right. Because the the agent that was servicing the account 
didn't do, you know, didn't, didn't do his job. Uh, he didn't sh- take it to market and he didn't even put the, the underwriting option out there. Mm. So, so when you, uh, you have a client that's got a group health plan, uh, do you review that plan every year? And in, in terms of maybe looking to make a change, is there value in staying with the same carrier over time? Uh, talk about that dynamic. So, yeah, my, my existing groups, um, we review, we have a review every year when we get their renewal notice for the following year. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we'll review it even sooner if they come to me with a, with a, a situation, you know, some companies, you know, they have a rapid growth. So maybe the, the five person or the 10 person company, the plan that they have now they're growing to 2025. They want to know, Hey, do we still have the right plan? with our expanded employment. So we may review it sooner if that's a, but most situations every year when we get the renewal, which usually comes out about 60 days before it's to take effect. uh, I will either meet or zoom or conference with the group, find out what's going on. uh, What, how's the business? What's the employee situation looking like? And I will shop it. Okay. Because I don't know, what what's out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to take for granted or assume, nor should my client assume that just renewing what they have is their best option. So I will take their, that group to market and I will come back to them once all the quotes have come back and I've evaluated them and compared them to what they have. And in some cases, what they have is still best and we renew. And in some cases there's better options out there and we change. Mm. So, Bill, let's talk to those businesses out there that are looking to to institute health insurance coverage for the first time. There's a lot of uh, uh, bargaining for talent, shall we say, um, and and folks are small businesses are looking at, hey, we've got to provide health insurance to keep folks in place or attract new employees that we need to grow. So, let's talk to them and what what do they need to do. Uh, as they evaluate health insurance coverage for the first time. Yeah. So, so the industry calls them virgin groups. Mm -hmm. Okay. Groups with no prior insurance. Uh, So it's harder to assess their need because it's a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. We have nothing to compare to. So with those groups, you know, I'll get their census information. I will, I always ask my groups or my employer or whoever the contact is at the group, would it be okay to get medical information from your employees. Some companies just will not even ask because of the sensitivity Mm -hmm. and others are like, yeah, if it saves me money or it saves them money, or if it works out, sure. I'll, you know, that's what they have to do. So depending on if I'm able to get that information or not, we'll determine how many markets I can go to for quotes. Mm. Once I get all my quotes, the employer has to have a realistic budget. Because generally the employer is going to be asked to pay at least half of the employee premium. Um, There's no commitment or no expectation that they cover anything of the dependents, but at least half of the employee rate. And what I have found in my experience in shopping, especially new groups, if the employer is not willing to pay at least half, the employees are not going to buy it. Mm. They're, They're going to think that they can go out and get private insurance cheaper or they have a spouse who offers insurance, they'll stay on his or her plan. All right. So 
the first part of the initial conversation is always, well, how much are you as the company going to pay at least towards the employee's premium? Mm-hmm. And I've had some companies, some, some people say, well, we're not going to pay anything. We're just going to make it available to them. And I'm like, well, then we're just wasting our time. Right. They're not going to buy it if you're not covering it. Yeah. I've had others saying, well, we really want to pay all of it because we know how important it is to not only keep the employees we have, but to get new employees. Well, that's, you know, that, that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll buy into it as long as you offer something better than they have available to them personally or through a spouse. So, you know, it really depends on the mindset of the, of the employer, especially someone with who hasn't offered benefits in the past. But what I will tell to those employees out, employers out there who are listening if you think you cannot afford it, don't let that stop you from looking at rates because the rate could be lower than what you've seen in the past or what you're thinking it could be in the future. Mm. Again, without, you know, the, the underwritten concept has been, is only been used in recent years. Uh, so usually an employer will go get a quote off the shelf and, and it could be high because it's got built-in rating factors into it. But if you take a healthy group, you can get 30 points, 40 points off of that standard rate, Mm. which could be the difference between unaffordable and affordable. Sure. So I would tell every employer who's out there looking, who's thinking about putting in a plan, I would love to be able to show you what the actual rates would be for your group. Well, and you've also got to factor in the uh, money that you save because you don't have the turnover you had previously, right? I mean, uh, or or other other factors that that uh, cause you to uh, have higher employment costs than you would have otherwise, right? Well, that's and 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 that's a good point because that's a cost that I don't know that a lot of employers actually see. Yeah, because it's not a realized cost, right? But it's a cost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the for the for the for the employer who can see that extra layer of cost or savings. Offering benefits is even more important. Um, so, yeah, so I've had a lot of success with groups, uh, e- e- even new groups, mm-hmm. um, as long as there's a, a, a reasonable uh, involvement and participation from the employer. Bill Neglia is with us, folks. He is the president of Neglia Insurance Group. Uh, so, let, Bill, let's talk about voluntary workplace benefit plan options. Uh, again, another, uh, uh, Benny, if you will, uh, to use the, uh, lingo that, that, uh, you can offer your employees to help, uh, further cement them to you. Yeah. So, so voluntary workplace benefits, uh, everybody has heard of Aflac. Mm-hmm. That's what Aflac provides. And there's other companies that do the same thing Aflac does. Um, voluntary work benefits or worksite benefits, is uh, where the employer does not pay or not have to pay anything towards the premiums. He or she just has to make it available to their employees. And then the employees will decide if they want to participate and to what extent. And all the premiums that are uh, payable would then be payroll deducted from the employee's paychecks. So the employer just simply has to be a facilitator in that situation, not a contributor. And even for new groups, if the employer cannot feasibly cover the cost of traditional group insurance, medical, at least offering 
a voluntary benefit package to the employees still is a, is a show of support uh, that they want the employees to have benefits because most of those benefits cannot be purchased privately, um, you know, or at the rate that, that they get when doing payroll deduction through an employer. Mm. So just being the facilitator of those benefits can make an employer look good in his or her employee's eyes. Yeah, that's compelling. Uh, and, and for those that, I mean, everybody knows that, well, most people know about the Affleck duck, but what does Affleck provide in terms of coverage for those that don't know what, what, what kind of coverages do they provide that folks wouldn't get through normal health and life? So, so the, 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 the primary product has always been cancer mm-hmm. insurance with Affleck. Um, so they've got a, a, an excellent cancer program. They sell, uh, they have a very good accident policy, uh, which especially, you know, for people that, you know, may not have workers comp where they work, uh, would be a great benefit. They have uh, critical illness and hospitalization indemnity plans, which again, add an extra layer of benefit over and above traditional medical insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, AFLAC or voluntary benefits in general should not be used as a primary health insurance plan, but they're a terrific secondary or supplemental. And they can cover things that primary insurance doesn't, like, you know, driving, you know, gas going to and from a hospital or a doctor visit. Um, and, and, you know, I had to say, you know, my wife's a breast cancer survivor. Mm. And, you know, we drove back and forth to Kennestone Hospital. She, she was on, you know, in treatment for three years. Mm. I, can't, I can't think of how much money I spent in gas and parking, you know, incidentals that are not covered by insurance. Right. Thank God we had good major medical mm-hmm. and her majority of her bills were covered. But the incidentals, those can add up, especially sure. if you have a serious or a long-term illness. And that's what policies like AFLAC or companies like AFLAC and supplemental insurances, those are designed to help reimburse uh, people for those expenses. Um, now, Bill, I noticed that you, um, uh, disability is part of your portfolio of, of, of services. I, I understand that disability is one of the most overlooked coverages that a lot of business owners, uh, don't think about. Well, it's the most overlooked. You know, if you look at the pecking order of insurance, disability is generally at the very bottom, mm. uh, which is crazy, especially for somebody who's self-employed mm-hmm. and and their only way of getting money is working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, self-employed individuals, first and foremost, should have a disability policy. Uh, business owners should have disability as well, especially if they're in like a partnership mm-hmm. or, or, or a co-ownership agreement. Um, and, and, the, and the inability of one partner or owner to function because of an illness or an injury could affect the business. So yes, disability insurance for anybody who's make, who, who, who has a job or a business and, and, and earns a living is something that they should consider. But unfortunately, it is the most underutilized product out there in the insurance industry. Uh, look alive, folks. <laughs> you might need to check check out that uh, that option with Bill Negley at Negley Insurance Group. Um, so you've got some thoughts on new versus old life insurance plan options as well. 
Yeah. So, so traditional life insurance, whether it's term, whole life, universal life, uh, which is more recent, you know, those products basically provide either death benefit only such like term or death benefit with some cash value accumulation in universal and whole life. The new insurance that you, that I referred to not only incorporates the death benefit and the cash value component, it also adds a long-term care element, which traditional or old school policies did not. Mm. And the value there is that you now can have one policy, one contract with one premium cover two different insurance programs and provide an equity, uh, you know, depending on how funded it is. Mm -hmm. Buying life insurance and long-term care separately could actually cost more. And the underwriting on a separate individual long-term care policy is tougher than any other insurance product out there. So when you, when you build long-term care into life insurance, now you're getting easier underwriting because now they're underwriting the life insurance first and the long-term care risk second. Mm. So life insurance is, is easier to qualify for because, you know, the, the, the companies have actuarial charts that show a 45-year-old, you know, is more than likely going to live to 75 or 80 or, or even longer. Mm -hmm. But they don't have real actuarial charts for long-term care. Somebody who's 60 or 65, which is usually when people start looking at long-term care, they can't predict when they may need it. They can predict that one out of four will need it, right. but they can't predict when. Right. So there's more risk to the carrier because they could have a claim in, in six to 12 months. Life insurance is more predictable and scientific. So when you put long-term care in a life insurance policy, you're going to get easier underwriting. And I'll use an example of a case I wrote last year. I was able to take a, uh, an individual who had an old whole life policy with about $50,000, $55,000 of cash value. It was just sitting in the policy. It wasn't paying interest. It wasn't doing anything. Her death benefit was level. Her premium was still fixed. We were able to take that policy, roll it into one of these newer policies, almost double her death benefit, add a $4,000 a month long-term care rider, mm. and kept her premium exactly the same. Wow. Well, you uh, that's an awesome story. You explained, I think, real well, and it may have gotten by some folks, um, uh, on why you really need an advisor like you for long-term care. Because what you just mentioned – uh, was that that the risk is uh, so different for carriers with long-term care insurance, which means premiums can be all over the place, and the quality of the company is pretty important in that regard, because they you you've got to be with a company that knows how to underwrite, and 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 therefore will be around uh, into the future, right? Oh, oh absolutely. Um, and and, and with long-term care. You know, it's, 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 it's of the insurance policies out there. It's the newest. It's, it's been around, you know, about 40, 45 years. Mm -hmm. uh, GE, Genworth, General Electric, mm -hmm. um, they were one of the pioneers in long-term care. Mm -hmm. And they came out and they created this absolutely robust contract uh, at a very reasonable premium. 
and they were the king of the industry for years and years and years. Well, it got to a point once claims start to mature mm. that they just couldn't keep up with the claims demand. Mm. And they actually had to pull the product off out of their, you know, portfolio. Mm-hmm. So they no longer offer the product. So they went from the giant to not even in the industry anymore mm. because they didn't price it or design it properly for the market's demands and needs. So nowadays, so if you've got an old Genworth or an old long-term care policy, you hold on to that, you know, and pay it religiously on time. You don't want to lose that policy because yeah. the newer policies are not nearly as, as, as expansive mm. or as price sensitive. That being said, there are still good opportunities in the long-term care market, and it is a huge need. The average cost of a nursing home in the greater metropolitan area is over $10,000 a month. That's average. Mm. You get some areas where that could be 15000 or twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So n- not having insurance means you're going to have to either liquidate your estate if you have an estate that can absorb that because Medicaid isn't going to help you. Medicare isn't going to help you. Social Security is not going to pay for it. It has to be paid for and funded privately. So the easiest way to do it, the most cost-effective way to do it is to buy a policy and use you know discounted dollars to pay those claims. Right. Now, you said the average is 10000 for nursing home. What about assisted living or is that? So assisted living was scaled back a little bit. Right. Okay. So assisted living, you're probably looking at about seven to eight grand okay. on average. And again, higher in certain areas, maybe mm-hmm. a little lower in rural areas. Right. Uh, but still very expensive. Right. Uh, one other thing about long-term care insurance, when it first came out, it was strictly nursing care only. You had to be in a nursing home, mm. a nursing care home. Right. It has enhanced it's been enhanced over the years now you can be cared for in your own home and some contracts you don't even need a licensed nurse or practitioner you can actually have a family member care for you and collect benefit you know to absorb any costs Mm. so the policies have changed and the values have changed but there is still great opportunity there for somebody who doesn't want to see their estate or, uh, plunge or their loved one not get care because they can't afford it. Uh, good words here from Bill Neglia, Neglia Insurance Group. Bill, this has been great. I, and I think you've raised so many different issues and, and um, concerns for folks uh, that probably need uh your help. And the next question is the one they really need to get an answer to, which is how they can be in touch with you to, uh, guide them through this maze. Great, John. Um, sure. So, uh, my cell phone number is 404-433-8838. My email address is bill at neglia, N-E-G-L-I-A insurance spelled out dot com. Bill at negliainsurance.com. Uh this time of year I get conservatively a hundred to hundred twenty five emails a day. So I would really encourage people to call me <laughs> or text me. 
um, they will get a much quicker response, um, you know, if they do one of those two options. Sounds great. Bill Negley up, folks. Negley Insurance Group. Bill, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Pleasure's been mine, John. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hey, folks, uh, before we let you go for today, just a quick reminder, ANS Culinary Concepts, uh, great friends of North Fulton Business Radio. Uh, yeah, they have terrific gourmet food and corporate catering, and they do big green egg boot camps that are terrific. I've been to one. They're, they're awesome. Um, but they've got another service that they provide for folks, and it's called Let Us Cook For You Meals. Now, if you want to give your cook the night off, uh, you're going to uh, make yourself a real hero at home. Here's what you need to do. Go to asculinaryconcepts.com and go uh, find uh, their Let Us Cook For You menus and check them out. They change every day. Um, Here's what I'm having this week. Roasted honey and soy glazed chicken that's cooked on the big green egg. Sounds great, doesn't it? You can get a couple of side dishes that are uh, terrific and along with a salad. And uh, if you want rolls and dessert, you can add those on. But the point is you can t- uh, you can uh, place your order ahead of time, drive by that afternoon. They'll put it in the back for you, and off you go. And uh, you can get all that for not much more than what it costs to go through that ridiculous chain drive through. So check them out. ASCulinaryConcepts.com. Andrew Traub and his team over there do great work. And if you want to give them a call, feel free. 678-336-9196. And uh, folks, just a quick reminder, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to uh, the show on the on your favorite app. And follow us. We're coming up on show number 400, and we're excited about that. Um, We've been around five and a half years, and we've got a great library of guests. Um, We appreciate your support in that way. And and if you give us a five-star review, we'd appreciate that as well. It it, um, helps folks find the show so they can find great services providers like Bill uh, Neglia, who do great work. So for my guest, Bill Neglia, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.